Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are listening to Radio Islam, and I am your host, Tariq Alameen. For those of you who are new to Radio Islam, we welcome you. It's kind of hard to concentrate when you've got a nice little rhythm going underneath you. Really nice, really nice. Uh, anyway, folks, we are a live call-in talk show broadcasting from Chicago on WCEV 1450 AM. And you can hear our live stream at www.wceb1450.com. And remember, you can now also catch us on the TuneIn app. Just look up WCEV, and you can also get the podcast there as well. So check it all out. If you haven't already done so, keep up with us on social media by following and liking our pages. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. Now, if you have a comment or a question you would like to pose throughout tonight's uh, discussion, we would love to hear from you at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. Radio Islam family, Radio Islam family, tonight I am joined in studio by Bubba Murray, which means it's time for Movie Talk with Bubba and Tariq. Now, uh, well... Hello there. Well, hello, and <laughs> it's always great to be back talking with the family. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, we uh, we talk about more than just movies, uh, but movie, television shows, skits, and documentaries talk is not really that appealing of a title. So we just say movie talk, right? But just think about it. Anything you see or anything that you use that's visual, creative, that's going to get you going, pumped up as an audience, we're, we're going to talk about it some way or another. Yep, absolutely. Now, uh, I have mentioned before, but if this is your first time, this is actually our third edition, our third time with Movie Talk. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take this third time just to let you know who Bubba Murray is. All right? Now, after that, after that I'm going to expect you to know what's going on. Is that fair? Well, you know, I actually enjoy the intro, so you can you, keep, you, like to, you can do it over and over again. It doesn't bother me. So, you know. Okay. <laughs> All right. Enough said. <laughs> All right, Radio Slime family. Uh, Bubba is a he's an award-winning writer director, hailing from Oak Park, Illinois. His background includes receiving the ABC Writing Fellowship, writing for Desperate Housewives, participating in the NBC Diversity Scene Showcase twice, and being accepted into the Fox Writing Initiative. Most recently, his short film, Robox, won the best children's film in the 2017 International Black Film Festival. Bubba serves as both lead content and social media director for Burma Task Force. Shout out to Burma Task Force. Uh, Go BTF. <laughs> um, as for me, I'll give you a quick rundown. I've, I've told you I've worn multiple hats. Uh, I've spent about 30, yeah, yeah, wow. Saying that out loud does not feel good, but 30 years uh, in community theater as a member of the Sun Theater under the tutelage of one of the best drama and theater arts uh, instructors in Chicagoland, none other than Zakia Elamine. Yeah, that's, that's my mom. <laughs> so um, anyway, tonight's show is a kickoff for Black History Month. Uh, many people know that uh, the famed historian Carter G. Woodson, he was, um, he was uh, it was really largely due to his efforts that we now have Black History Month, which began with uh, Negro History Week. Uh, and this is something, uh, as a month now, it's, it's, it's celebrated uh, around the world in, in various countries, Europe, Canada. Uh, and what we want to do tonight is we want to talk about some of the movies, uh, the films, uh, roles, uh, experiences that have resonated with us. Yes, yes. anything I, I think that influenced us personally mm -hmm. because there, there are a lot of projects out there that you'd have seen I think that would have motivated us motivated us as a whole as a group yeah. like the whole African-American community for Black History Month but sometimes there are some of those pieces that maybe you as an individual relate to and I want to make sure they get their due so so we can you know bring light to that so other people can maybe give them a second look and and they'll get a chance to see in some of these pieces that we're going to talk about what we saw. Right. Now, listen here, uh, Radio Slime family. We're going to be jumping around. We're not going through any particular timeline. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just, just stay with us. Uh, and as we said before, I'll tell you the number again. And you can tweet at us if you want to, uh, if you'd like to, at Radio Slime USA. I'm about to open up our Twitter page right now. Uh, if there's a particular movie that you want us to 
see if you get, maybe maybe you'll stump us. Maybe we haven't seen that. Um, but Bubba, what do, what do you, what movie do you want to start out with? Is there a movie or role or uh, actor or? Yeah, there actually is. Just to start out, there's a movie I think that's hilarious but doesn't really get the due that it deserves nowadays, mm-hmm. and that's called Uptown Saturday Night. Classic. Yeah, so Uptown Saturday Night is, it's a 1974 movie. Mm-hmm. It stars Sidney Poitier and Bill Cosby yeah. and directed by Sidney Poitier. Mm-hmm. The premise of the movie is it's about two fun-loving guys who go out on the town, you know, unbeknownst to their significant others, right. and and go to a, a parlor, a gaming parlor, where they're in a legal nightclub where they're doing a little gambling. Right. Well, one of them had a lottery ticket and they lose it at the club. So now the rest of the movies I'm trying to figure out how to find that lottery ticket. So and then when you've got you've got the charm, that 70s charm of Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier. It's it's really a great film. And one of the reasons I liked it, well, first off, Sidney Poitier, he directed it. Mm-hmm. And we know him as an actor, we know him in a sense almost as an ambassador. Yes, but we don't necessarily we don't necessarily realize how talented he is. So I took that inspiration of him being able to be in front of the camera, behind the camera, and be able to play a wide range of characters. It's I mean, and directing as a director, I, I know how difficult it can be to try and pull a performance out of someone else, let alone yourself in front of the camera. Yeah. So also with these characters. This is in the 70s, so a lot of times you've got urban characters who are either depressing or seen as a joke. This is a movie for black people, by black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just thinking of FUBU. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> right. So it's a FUBU movie. Yeah. But these characters... If you don't know what FUBU is, that's Forrest Bias. Uh, thank yeah, you, thank you. But with these characters, they... They, they use their wits and charm to get through all these schemes. Yeah. It's not as they would have how a lot of characters at that time would have been through shucking and jiving or just using brute force. Right. They weren't angry. They weren't. They weren't violent criminals. They were cool. They, yeah, these were cool cats, man. Mm-hmm. They were cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's what they used. That was their power of coolness to get them through the 70s and also uh, to navigate this world of gangsters. Mm. Another another great performance in this movie is by uh, Harry Belafonte. Mm. Now, he played the lead gangster. And think about that this is the 70s. Right. You just had The Godfather. So Harry Belafonte actually based his uh, gangster character off of, Brando. On, off of Brando's portrayal of The Godfather. Right. He stuffed his cheeks too and and uh he really wanted to transform himself so i think again he used that opportunity to to show himself off as an amazing actor uh again you have bill cosby who at that time was really at the pinnacle of black cool he had the beard and the afro going he really he could sport that so well. And again, everything he did was just smooth. And you know what I don't think uh, we think about today because the beard is very much, very much in. Mm-hmm. And you look at, um, well, just about every, everybody in hip hop seems to have a beard. Uh, it used to be, it used to, well, well, I'm not gonna say what it used to be, but if you look at somebody like Rick Ross, I think right. okay. who really, it seems like it, he really popularized it uh, even though if you went to East Coast in particular, if you go and went to Philly and New York, you still saw beards. Um, but that to me was also a real sign of a uh, kind of a rejection of the, the dominant culture. The, the whole smooth faced, um, you know, no mustache, no beard, you know, being clean shaven and sporting this, this really big beard. Because that was not a small beard right. he had. I mean, again, it's accepting our culture yeah. and putting it in the forefront. Mm-hmm. Get, these characters, they they embrace themselves. Yeah. They weren't trying to be somebody else. And and this is also an urban movie. So you saw characters who loved their family, loved where they were. They appreciated that world. They weren't trying to escape it. 
they were just trying to make their lives better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and anybody's gonna look for a you know what a so, lotto ticket. So so let's let's jump forward about twenty okay. uh twenty years. <laughs> maybe maybe fifteen, I'm twenty years. Uh but still with Bill Cosby. So Bill Cosby, Dr. Bill Cosby, is uh for me one of the most important um creative forces uh, of, of, of my generation uh, and possibly I would even say for my, my parents generation as well the work that he did I'm gonna go right to Cosby show okay right uh, directly to that now contrasting that where well, you had uh, an, a doctor and a lawyer as a matter of fact when I think about when I think about how crazy this is because I know I actually know this couple I know this couple for real. Like they're friends of mine. The the, the guy, he is uh, an Obi uh, Obi Gani. You know the Huxtables. I know the Huxtables, and she is an attorney, right? Uh, and they they're awesome, right? Mm. <laughs> uh, and folks that know me probably know who I'm talking about. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put them on uh, on blast. Uh, but that was something that was unheard of at that time. That type of representation of of African American and Black families. Especially when you contrast that with something like, like Good Times, right? It was about the the quiet, the dignity, the struggle that a lot of people could relate to, uh, but not success. And that's why um, that's why starting out for me, he is one of the most um, important creative forces and forces of uh, inspiration that that we've had. Uh, and I can't really, I can't point to. I think other folks have tried to do it. In, in somewhat similar fashion, but I don't think anybody's come close to that type of um, uh, present that type of a, a picture with that meant as much. Yeah, I think that's people underestimate the impact and importance of those Cosby characters. Yeah, and when you bring up that you know that iteration, I'll say the Cosby Show because he had so many different yes. Ver- yes, different shows. Mm-hmm. So that Claire and Cliff Huxtable yeah. for. As you said, a lot of people thought that was a fantasy. Mm-hmm. I mean, not only was, but you know, a lot of white America couldn't even conceive of that. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, there were a lot of uh, African American people who were saying, "Oh, thank God, we can cry, finally show a little truth." And that, again, there are many different uh, shades. For lack of a better term, yeah, uh, we aren't just one group that you've decided who we are. Exactly, we aren't all the Evans, and that there's anything wrong with that. No. I, I love good times, mm-hmm. but the problem with when you don't have any representation, you start to see yourself in those, uh, in the art, in the culture, and when you only have one way to see see yourself, right. you start to get lose that creative. You, you start to limit yourself because you don't believe you have any opportunity to stretch beyond where you are right at that moment. And you know something, and I'm probably jumping back a little bit, but just thinking about what we're talking about in terms of uh, Black History Month um, and this idea of appreciating, and many of us, myself included, you know, I don't, I don't ascribe to this idea of I take a month to study um, the, the, my history. Uh, and it's been said very well before that black history is not it's not about a month. Really, black history is the history of, of the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and it's and it should be looked at that, that looked at that way and approached that way. Um, but the history of media and mass media, this time that we're in, when we look at television, we look at movies, we see that there's an image being projected to the world. So that's why, and to ourselves, and that's why these uh, these I think these discussion, the, mo- the the movies, the the roles, these are all important. You mentioned Good Times, the Evans. Now, what was really interesting is that Norman Lear, when he was creating, he was a creator of, um, uh, of Good Times, but also created uh, other shows like uh, All in the Family. The Jeffersons. Yeah, the Jeffersons. Uh, that he initially wanted Florida Evans to be a single mother. And Esther Rowe, who, uh, you know, who played Florida Evans, she demanded that she have a, uh, have a husband. She felt that it was important to, if you, you're gonna present a, a black family, to America, to the world, that it that it be a whole family. Right. So yeah, I think that, uh, and then going forward, 
to to the to the Cosby Show. This with the Huxtables. Uh, it was not. It was not like I said. It wasn't just about the struggle. It was also about um, about the success and then dealing with and and really, if it would have been a white family, it would not have been. You know, there would have been no. There was nothing novel about that at right. all. It's nothing to really talk about. Uh, it would have just been about. It, w- it would have been about them and how they relate to their children and their neighbors. Um, and it took a while to get get past that. And 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 on that, I think one of the things about that show that people may not have appreciated is that the the Huxtables were self-aware. Again, yes. it's we have means, we have money, we have the opportunity to have been educated in historically black colleges, which you know they they opened that world to a lot of people. Yeah. But uh, again, by doing that, they were also aware of the prejudice that was that they had to face in order to get to this level. And that's one of the great things about that show. They'd always have artists, you know, esteemed artists guest star, yeah. actors that you may not have known about, you know, Ruby D and Ozzy Davis. The, Nichol- Nichol- the Nicholas brothers. Um, yeah, Sammy Davis Jr. I mean, he was yeah. still a name, but you know, he appreciated the history mm-hmm. and made sure that that got on the screen so other people could see it. Right, right. Last thing I want to mention about Bill Cosby before we uh, move on because time is flying already. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the last thing I want to mention: a bit of Black history for those who um, uh, for those who look back, you study the March on Washington. Uh, where Dr. King gave the famous I Have a Dream speech, and many other people spoke as well. The sound system that he spoke on was paid for by Dr. William H. Cosby. Um, it, it's, and it's just a long, and we, we could probably spend hours just talking about how the people that were in front of the camera did so much work behind the camera and off camera uh, with this idea of advancing the the, the status and the uh, and, and bringing some dignity to folks who had been denied it, and and I just I know I just have to say this: we're not blind mm-hmm. to how things are today. Oh no, no but no, uh, no, but no, but no, no. you know, just in case there are people listening saying, "No, you're just trying to whitewash or or push things under the rug," but that's really not. I don't want to say that's not the focus, but. Yeah. Um, while I understand that, and that's always a concern, mm-hmm. I also understand that there are some things, there are places we would not have been mm-hmm. and doors that would never have been opened Absolutely. if we did not have uh, people pushing forward and having programs like that for all of us to share. Absolutely. Share. absolutely. So I just, I just wanted to put that mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, yeah, and that's fair. I mean, after all, America is a land, uh, is a land of redemption. Uh, if it were not so, then so many of our institutions of higher learning, our businesses and banks and insurance companies uh, would have to go out of business today because they're built on slave labor. So, exactly. Uh, yeah. Now, next, uh, okay. um, what do you have next? You, you want to go with? Um, actually, uh, I want to warp ahead, go right ahead <laughs> to right. a character that actually really influenced me. And that is for you uh, black nerds out there who like Star Trek. I wanted to talk a little bit, a little bit about a Captain Jake Sisko. Okay. Uh, or Mr. Avery. Or yes, yeah, just Captain Sisko, mm-hmm. Avery Brooks. Yeah. Some of you knew him from Spencer for Hire. Hawk. Uh, Hawk, but he was the first televised captain, black captain in the Star Trek franchise. Uh, and one of the things that was so important about that is that. Again, you had this character in this in this uh, Gene Roddenberry universe, mm-hmm. which promoted equality, racial, sexual, you know, equality, no poverty, and you had this person in the forefront. Before that, at least in that in those net, in those programs, the most influential black character we saw, again, who I like, would be Goldberg as. Guinan, who played a bartender. Now she was just maybe the a moral conscience for the captain, but this time we actually had a captain up there giving orders. Right. And this captain himself, one of the things that was great about him is that he was a strong, 
family man. Mm. Uh, he, when the pilot starts of the show, he's he's a widower and raising his son. And still, these aren't images that we're used to seeing. Right. Every time you do that, it, every time you have a, a black man who's raising a child who has strong family values, it's always, you always have to put some sort of disclaimer about it. No, but that, that's who his character was. So not only did you have that, he was in charge of a station of people trying to rebuild themselves. Mm. So he was leading, uh, in a sense, he, was, he, act, he became a literal messiah, leading people uh, to uplift their culture and maintain this strong moral compass. So, so I, I, to be able to see that, to have that in the science fiction realm, that's also was very important because, you know, it's not just a drama, it's sci-fi. We're breaking down those borders. Now we can go beyond, we can go into the fantasy world. We can, this opens the door for these other type of superheroes. And to go beyond just the pages of a comic book where you may not see it, but again, to everybody's screen. Right. So, uh, yeah, so that's why I really love the character of of uh, Captain Cisco, and also he was very aware of racism and how it influenced him. And there are a lot of episodes of that of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine where he would look back and talk about the injustices that uh, African Americans had to face, and again how how he is there because of the blood that was spilt before him. I I really appreciated the fact that they took that into account when they did the the storytelling. So obviously this this show was at a predominantly white cast, but it was led by a very strong African-American character. Yeah. And, and, and of course, it's no surprise that it would come in the uh, university, I'm sorry, the universe of Gene Roddenberry, um, uh, you know, out of the Star Trek. Uh, it, that, would, that would make sense uh, to see that. The other thing that I, find, um, that I find interesting in that is that you think you go to space and you wouldn't have to deal with racism, <laughs> right? You think you could just leave that on Earth, uh, but that that also is a testament to uh, that our history follows us. Uh, and even though we have fast forward, we can skip, uh, we can rewind. You know, we, we can do all these things with our televisions. Uh, but the the fact of the matter is that we have to take history into account. We can't run from it. Uh, and just in the in the portrayal, uh, his portrayal. Of that and the things that he brought up, I think that it was just it was a great reminder. Plus, uh, now it wasn't so much for Star Trek. I loved Avery Brooks in as Hawk. Uh, he was the I mean he was the coolest. I used to watch Spencer Bahia with my mother, <laughs> and he was I mean he was clean. I remember. As a matter of fact, I figured out now why I wanted a BMW. Okay. I, yeah, I really just now really thinking about that. It was because I remember his. He had that white. Uh, was, I think it was wasn't it white seven uh, six series or something. I think so, but he had the he had the shades though, right? Yeah, he had the shades like, and the, 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 the long overcoat, you know, clean bald head, uh, and he was bald before Mike was bald, <laughs> right? So it was it was something. It was only, it was only like a few bald cats back then. Him, uh, Telly Savalas, right. which you know was a few years ahead of him. And it's it's funny when you talk about him being bald again, embracing yourself. You you have the hair, you have. Embrace it if you don't, you know, just let it go. Let it go. Yeah. Like his character in Deep Space Nine, mm -hmm. when he started out, he had a little yeah. fade going. Yeah. And he that was a, a nice fade. guy, but he didn't instill the confidence you need in the captain. No. But I'm going to guess, and, and all, all you Trekkies out there, you know, you can correct me. Uh, please do. But I think it was around season three where he went bald and then grew back the goatee, mm -hmm. and you're like, yeah, that's my captain. Because he looked like the accountant who who, who wind up sitting in the captain's chair right. in the beginning. Later and on, he, he looked like He, he took over the chair. He took over that chair. He brought it in, bolted it down. And you, you knew that was his station, his ship. Uh, he controlled that world. Yeah. All right, Radio Slime family. Uh, we it, it's, it's movie talk. It's movie talk with uh, Bubba and Tariq, and we are kicking off Black History Month talking about some of the movies, the roles, uh, TV shows that have uh, that have affected us. So we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, 
please join us. Give us a call at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. We'll be back in a moment. Okay, forest animals, kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow, have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. River, how's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. I love it. Uh, Turtle. He's not here yet, man. Uh, he's late every morning. Okay. Squirrel. The forest has been preparing just for you. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. I knew I was stuck at this kid's house for the night, but those guys snuck up on me to try and pull the hand in a bowl of warm water trick. Well, that was enough for me. I went downstairs to sleep in the basement, even though it was pitch black. I left my sleeping bag upstairs, and that was a mistake, because it was freezing. I think it was probably the longest night of my life. To read more about the sleepover, check out Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Last Straw by Jeff Kenny. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library and visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Assalamu alaikum. Sound Vision is starting a new initiative to provide crisis intervention to those in need. Through the crisis text line, anyone can text 741-741 and be connected via text to a trained crisis counselor who is there to listen and show empathy. The crisis text line is open to everyone. By texting the keyword SALAM, that's S-A-L-A-M, to 741-741, users will be connected to a trained Muslim counselor whenever available. You can also volunteer to undergo training and become a counselor. For more information, visit soundvision.com. It is Movie Talk with Bubba and Tariq. This is your host, Tariq el We are kicking off Black History Month talking about some of the films, the, uh, the, the roles, uh, actors and actresses, television shows, all of that good stuff. Things that have resonated with us, that have left their mark on us. So I want to start off this segment by talking about, to me, one of the most talented. Um, I'm going to flip the script. I know I said I was going to go with it. Movie, but I got to go with Eddie Murphy. Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, you can't go wrong with either of them. So Yeah, this is true. This is true. Go ahead. All right. So aside from, from, from being in the public eye, I mean, going back to Saturday Night Live at, I think it was 19 years old. Yeah. Um, and through, I mean, countless, countless movies. I mean, yeah, he, he, he had a few, kind of hit a rough patch at Pluto Nash. Um, but, and, and I admit I saw it and you know what? I actually, I didn't watch the whole thing and I need to. So you don't No, I don't. <laughs> you don't really need to. <laughs> I just felt like as a, as a real fan, I, I owed it. But, but if you don't think so, <laughs> again, um, it's, you can be a fan and still protect your own time. You go ahead yeah. and watch coming to America twice. Well, I love coming to America. I mean. <laughs> I did. I loved coming to America. Um, but the, a movie that, one of his movies that I think he was really, he, he, it was just unsung, I think, on his part, uh, the, the work he did in it, was Bowfinger. Yes, that, that was a good one. Now, uh, Steve Martin was, was well, I guess they shared the lead, but Steve Martin was more the main character. But Eddie, I think, had just as much screen time uh, because he played two characters. And... To be honest with you, I didn't realize that he was both people <laughs> until it was probably I don't know maybe a half hour, okay, halfway you know half hour into the movie because uh, he was just so he, he was so much I think he's such an underrated uh, underrated actor. Yeah, and I remember in this movie it was the two characters he played were the twin, yeah, were twin brothers, but one was the cool kind of psychotic 
movie star, Me- action mega, star. Mega Mix. action star. And then yeah. the other one was the real dorky looking, was either the brother or the cousin. All he was, all he wanted to do was make deliveries. Right. He was happy to make, he, he, he thought he had made it by going to get coffee for the director and the actors. He was like, oh, I'd love to go do that. That would be great. Jeff Jeffrinson. That was so. That was the the square. He's got braces on, and right. uh, and the movie for those who haven't seen it, Bowfinger, is basically about this um, uh, this this film um, filmmaker who he goes rogue sorta, and he gets this uh, this megastar to be in his movie without him knowing it. So they're sneaking up on him. They're they're taking shots and they're using doubles, and uh, it, it was it was crazy, but it was. I think it was some of some of his best work. <laughs> yeah, you were saying. I mean, it's it's a great movie. It was directed by Frank Oz. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, it is pure fun. It, yeah. It's one of my favorite Eddie Murphy movies. Uh, and when you've got Eddie Murphy and you've got uh, Steve Martin, uh, uh, just, I mean, there's just so many great characters in that. But those two really carry that movie well. Yeah, yeah. And then of course there's there's a there's a slight dig at uh, Scientology. Um, which was, which kind of a major part uh, of of the movie, um, because the 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 cool the megastar Eddie Murphy was, he was involved with a group, Mindhead. That was the name of the group, <laughs> right? Mindhead, right. yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, it was it was fun. It was a great movie, oh, yeah, and led by the great uh, Terrence Stamp, Zod. Oh yeah, from Superman, bow down to Zod. Yeah. That was him. So, uh, yeah, that movie had a lot, again, a lot of great names in there. Actually, uh, just doing some quick research, Robert Downey Jr. was in that movie. He sure was. So that was right. That was before his Iron Man Renaissance. Yeah, yeah. He was more like in uh, Chances Are form um, <laughs> yes. back then. Yeah, which was another really good one. Um, okay, so let's let's jump. Um, who do you have? Okay. Uh, well, you know what I want to go just to a movie and it's an action western okay. I want to talk about Posse Posse so that was Mario. a great movie uh, that again starred Mario Van Peebles and in fact I think we are at approximately the 25th anniversary of Posse Okay, it came out in 1993 so that's a movie that Again, stands up. What was great about that movie is it's a, well, it's a movie about a group of mostly black infantrymen who return home from the Spanish-American War and with all this gold, but they also feel they also have to protect a black town. Right. So I love to see uh, these strong characters in a Western. And I haven't seen a black Western like that since... um, think cotton comes to harlem which mm. is i think a 1920s or 30s movie okay so this is one of those things where black cowboys were basically written out of history and they were such such an integral part yep. of of the westward expansion uh yeah and so that's one of the interesting things about this movie it's not that it was kitsch or a gimmick that you had a black cowboy or black soldiers. They they brought this to light. Now it was an action movie, so it was light in the, in light in the sense of it was a fun movie to go watch. A lot of action. You've got a lot of shooting going on, and it starred at the time a lot of the big uh, uh, the the big, the, the, the big musicians. Daddy, big Daddy Kane, Tone Loke. Yeah, you had. Blair Underwood, well, Tommy Tiny Listers in that one, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so you have all these great actors mm-hmm. and fun actors. Again, when we're talking about the the musicians, but the subject matter, that world was one that people again did not know existed, and that's for me the power of the movie. That's why it influences me, because you can take these these parts of history, and then. There's a way to rebrand it or rebroadcast it so we can go back and see where we were, not trying to force ourselves to fit in, but let people know we were already there. 
Mm-hmm. We again, we were already cowboys. We were already soldiers. We were fighting all these wars. We didn't just decide in the 1950s to come support this country or to fight for the country. They've been doing that since the 17, 1800s. Right. Mm-hmm. Crispus Attucks was the first person killed in the Revolutionary War. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's <laughs> that that's another story. However, uh, Posse, that movie just drew me in. Great music, great action. Uh, and Mario Van Peebles was really cool in that movie. I mean, there's just something, just, he was a strong, cool, black man riding a horse and you know just taking taking no prisoners and just leaving nothing but bodies behind him when he needed to yeah and um well and to that point when we talk about public images uh or the uh the the perceptions that we have as a society and and how they are reinforced or in, in some cases, how they're debunked. Yes. Uh, and and to, to say, number one, people say, what? Black cowboys? <laughs> what is this? Well, the Lone Ranger. I, I, I submit this to you for those of you who used to watch the Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger and Tonto. <clears throat> um, Lone Ranger is actually based on a black cowboy, a black lawman. And, uh, but in taking that story, and putting it on the screen, well, it, it wasn't deemed. Um, they did. They didn't think it would be received favorably. So they you know, they decided to uh, to literally to whitewash it, and to <laughs> present it as it was. Um, now, of course, this is this is also where we can look at movies like uh, Birth of a Nation. Now, I hadn't planned on bringing to really talking about it, but okay. I just felt like it's important to bring up because when we when we talk about how movies play a part in, in sensitizing us, they play, in part, uh, play a part in motivating us and shaping the way we see ourselves and each other. This is also one of those movies that was, which was shown in the White House under right. the, who was it, uh, Coolidge? I think it was Coolidge, okay. Calvin Coolidge, who was uh, president. Um, or Coolidge or Taft, one of those fellas. I, I can't remember which one it was. But the point being, that racism that prejudice that that movie, um, uh, that it that it supported, it was, it was it, it was um, it was free. It was it was nothing at that point to say, hey, that's not cool. Right. In fact, uh, what I like to do sometimes is read the reviews of these classic movies from the archives. Yeah. And I, and when you bring that up, I remember reading a review of Birth of the Nation at that yeah. time. And one of the things that stuck out with me, and you'll have to forgive me because I'm just thinking about it, so I'm paraphrasing, but the writer was saying at the end of the movie, uh, in Birth of the Nation, uh, the the evil person is the black character, but they say that the, you know, the black man is killed, returning, letting the audience know that the white man has returned to his rightful place of superiority. Right. And that's in the review written like in the New York Times, which lets you know that is the mindset of the world then. Yep. So yep. Again, so to the idea is we've got a long way to go, but we have come far. And we have to remember that. We've got to remember where we were. And so some of these movies, again, a movie like Posse, mm-hmm. you, you've got this... You've got it stamped out there to let you know we were part of the formation of this country. We helped build this country. And, yes, it's fictionalized. It's fun. But all of these characters are based in some sort of reality. Yeah, absolutely. It's, but it's also something you can be proud of. It's a proud history. Yeah, yeah. So take that and run with it. Have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I just uh, checked myself. Who is it? Woodrow Wilson. It was uh, the Woodrow Wilson. Okay. Oh, you know, I need to do one correction too. Yeah, go it's ahead. Captain Benjamin Sisko. I ah. said Jake Sisko. It's Benjamin Sisko. Why does a Jake sound? That's his son. Ah, Jake okay. is the son. Okay. All right. You know what? <clears throat> Maybe in another another month we got to talk about uh, it. And it, it had nothing to do with what you just mentioned, but it just came up. Auto Man. Do you remember Auto Man? Yes. Okay, we'll, we'll put that on the back burner, something to, to get back into. Desi Arnaz Jr. Yes, yes. Um, so, 
we haven't really talked about, well, we, we've mentioned Esther Rowe, but as far as uh, some of the women that I found uh, really inspirational. And, uh, and I'm going to lead off with uh, Whoopi Goldberg. And I picked Whoopi for a couple of reasons. Number one, I was thinking about her, when the first time I saw her was her special. She did a one-woman show. And it could be, I guess you could call it stand-up, but it was as much um, really like you were watching four or five different people because she did different, like really just cha changed it to different people on the stage. Uh, and one of them was um, a substance, a person dealing with substance abuse. I think her name was Fontaine. Uh, that was the character's name. But that's really not, not central to my point. My point was from the time I saw her there through everything else, uh, I've just saw somebody who just seemed to always be very sure uh, of her own, of, of, of herself, her, her worth, uh, and her talent. And um, she's, I've just, and color purple, if, if I go, if I say anything, without mention, you know, I don't think you can really mention Whoopi Goldberg and not mention True. color purple, um, which was iconic. And, yeah, and, and the thing is with her, she, I mean, she's such a powerful performer, but everything she does is so natural and she's got this sort of fight in a lot of her characters. So, I, and again, I always feel that when actors are on screen, especially film actors, because they can't, you know, you're so close to that camera, you can't do a lot of moving. Yeah. You're trying to be as natural as possible. So you end up playing characters that are close to yourself. Uh, get my two favorite movies by her, well, my favorite movie from her, Jumpin' Jack Flash. Yeah. Like, I love her in that <laughs> because yeah. she plays like this IT person who gets caught up in this uh, international intrigue. Yeah. So today, I think there's also a renaissance of the black geek, you know, uh, the black person who's not afraid to use their brains along with other things. Like, to me, she started that movement with that character. You've got again. You've got an IT computer geek who solves murders, but again, she's true to herself. This one, it's it's. She was a character in that one also that just kind of cross color lines. You, because of the time, I think you may have seen her as a black actress, mm -hmm. but once she's on screen, she commands every scene. Yep. She's got a lot of energy. She, you just, you fall in love with what she's doing. So you don't see the the black character or the female character. You just see her character's name is Terry. You see, uh, you see Terry, who gets caught up in uh, in some sort of uh, espionage ring. Yeah. So, but you see her, and you don't get lost in some of that extra stuff or the baggage that comes with the movies. And I think that's a real great. That's a sign of a great performer who can help you escape. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that's the type of thing when you see how she did that. Yeah. Again, bringing it to myself, feeling like you know I don't necessarily have to pander. Mm -hmm. That's that's the word. She did not pander to anybody in her roles. No. She played everything as honest. So for me as a director, or if I act on things, I don't. I can take that from her. Just be honest with myself. Tell my stories. Like you said with the pillowcase. Mm -hmm. Whether I see it or not, that whether she's seen these images, she's she brought all these characters to life. You know, she she was true to it. That's why I also loved her in Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, yeah. uh you know, her character was the friend to the captain, but she was she was the only character that had uh, let's say a moral leverage on the Jean-Luc Picard played by Patrick Stewart and people may know him from the X-Men franchise right. but again you see a black character who is able to uh, influence others by her personality by her advice she didn't have to threaten she didn't have to go all crazy and act like it was some uh, Atlanta Housewives reunion. <laughs> you know, she... We just lost the Atlanta Housewives audience. 
Go Sorry. Ahead. No. <laughs> I, I, I apologize for that. I'm getting, which is all fun, but no, you know they're. We don't have them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. They, they, they wouldn't listen. But but uh, definitely give Whoopi another look for some of those, especially those movies from the '80s. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to throw out. Um, well, first, I'm, I'm going to say this. If I had to pick a genre, if I had to pick a particular type of, of, of movie or uh, film, uh, television show, whatever, I would probably always go with comedy. Okay. And I go with com comedy for, uh, for a few reasons. Number one, comedy allows you to talk about sensitive subjects uh, in a way that are, uh, that, that's disarming, if, if you're doing it right. Uh, and get people to think about things that they might normally kind of close the door on you if you walked up to them trying to play it straight. So that being said, I want to bring up another just really slept on, um, uh, slept on actor, director, uh, and that is David Allen Greer. Oh yeah. Now for those who saw it in his limited run, Chocolate News, um, which to me was genius, I don't know why, uh, why it didn't get you know re-upped uh, for another uh, season? I think he had. I think it was just one season, uh, maybe two. But I, I mean, I, I bought. I know I bought the first one. But there, there's an episode. One of the episodes he talks about just in the, just an idea about, uh, of of talking about the uh, the quote unquote the, the black geek. Um, there's an episode called where they do the skit on Blamacon, hmm. and. What they, and for those who are familiar with Comic-Con, we know uh, people come from all over uh, uh, to go to Comic-Con. But Blamacon, it was about 70, 70 people there. Um, and it was, all, it was all black superheroes. And, you know, people trying to get, get noticed. And it was a guy named Sword, uh, no, Slayfish. Okay. Uh, and Horsefly. And DJ, a uh, guy who'd been, he was DJing and got hit by a lightning bolt, his turntables fused his body, uh, and he ran around fighting crime by throwing his razor-sharp CDs at people. Okay, I like that. So, but, but what's, what's the real, the hurt behind that? The hurt behind that is the exclusion, exclusion of a whole group of talented people from, from an industry that says that your story is not um, your story has no place here. Or we're just going to pick a few out and, and allow you in. So it was funny as I don't know what, but there was also a statement behind it. And there were so many others that he did, but that's gold. So if you if you like David Allen Greer, you definitely need to check out um, Chocolate News. And I, I did check. It was only one season. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I got that one season. Yeah. So uh, let's see. We got we got a few minutes a few minutes left. Uh, and fortunately, this is the first week, so we're gonna we'll, we'll meet again, and we'll, we'll get to talk. We'll get to talk some more. Um, who do we have? We had um, so oh, we had the Boondocks. A couple honorable mentions. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's let's go. Well, I had uh, uh, Spawn, the character. Yes. Uh, both the movie and the HBO series. Yeah. So Jai White. Michael Jai White, yeah, in the movie, and Keith David mm -hmm. in the cartoon. Uh, Again, you've got African American character who is overcoming a huge obstacle, death, and, <laughs> yeah, uh, and trying to redeem himself. And this was, and when this came out, again, you did not have a lot of black superheroes who were leading a franchise. You may have had them as sidekicks or just a one-off character in the background, but this guy drove the series. Yes, so. Let's you say, you know, I can have my black characters in sci-fi and superheroes. We can do that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And if we're talking about uh, Michael Jawak, then we also have to mention uh, Black Dynamite. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, the ode to the uh, '70s black uh, black exploitation uh, uh, flicks. But as a serious martial artist, uh, he just man, he makes he makes that really great. And you know what? Something else that I do really mm -hmm. like about him and other actors that you see them in dramatic roles more often or even in action when they when they show you their comedic timing mm -hmm. uh and i think he did he did a lot of that in uh in black dynamite okay so yeah that was great oh yeah can i throw out one more yeah yeah go ahead go okay ahead. uh one of the movies that got me up uh, hollywood shuffle 
Oh yeah, Robert Townsend. Yeah. Hey, and, and like I said, there's so many to go through. So yeah. please don't think that what we're talking about that we we know we've missed a lot. Yeah. But Hollywood Shuffle, that I loved that movie. Uh, Attack of the Killer Pimps. Uh, <laughs> you had. <laughs> I, you know, I'm just gonna stop there because there's so many sketches in that it's gonna take me too long and i take too long already johnny <laughs> you killed it my brother <laughs> so uh, oh um, man that I was feel good just thinking about it yeah and he made he said he made that he just maxed his credit cards out um to make that movie robert and, townsend from the west side of chicago and a lot of you check it out too because there are a lot of great actors the wayne's brothers uh Keenan Ivory Wayans, Damon Wayans, David Allen Greer's in that one. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, 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 coordinate uh, John Witherspoon. Oh yeah, yeah, John Witherspoon. <laughs> so yeah. there are a lot of a lot of a lot of talented uh, black actors lent their skills to this movie. So, mm-hmm. and and they did a great job. Yeah, and what I think is important as we as we close out to think about um, as we were coming into this month, this is the second day of Black History Month, is that I would like for, for, for you to think about where where we were, where black, uh, where America was in terms of its representation of African Americans, of black folks, when um, when Black History Month started. Now it's been celebrated, it's been, it's been uh, recognized since 1976 by every U.S. president since then. Um, and just to look at the progression of how how this group of people have been portrayed. Uh, and I think that's something, uh, it's worth looking at. It's, it's, it's worth looking at. So uh, that being said, we're going to start to close out. I don't want to close out. I don't. I, don't. I know there's so many more. I don't, I don't. We didn't talk about Fear of a Black Cat, uh, which mm. maybe, maybe we'll throw that in next time. But uh, I'm going to give that to you as a recommendation. It's a film by Rusty Cundiff. Um, and it's, if you remember PM Dawn, uh, <laughs> uh, it's a great piece. It's, it's kind of, it's a nice part in there that, that reflects that influence. Um, CB4 came out around the same time, which is a real knockoff. With, with Chris Rock. Yeah, it was a real knockoff, but um, CB, but Fear of a Black Hat to me was, man, it was gold. And again, we're leading up to, uh, I think we'll be back in two weeks. Yeah. And yeah. Just a little spoiler. Mm-hmm. Go right ahead. We're going to talk a little about superheroes because of we've got Black we Panther, we which we know is just going to crush everything. Yeah. So it's going to change the game. This is, this is Robert Downey Jr.'s out because Black Panther's taking over. Yeah, it's a wrap. It's Iron Man. Nice knowing you. Nice knowing you, Bye-bye. Uh, Robert. All right. Uh, tonight's show was produced by uh, Tariq Elamine and Bubba Murray. Our uh, engineer on the boards, the impressive one, our assistant producer, uh, Ibrahim Beg. Our engineer, WCEV, is Leonard. Thank you very much, sir. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. We look forward to joining you again on another edition of Radio Islam. Everybody have a great weekend. Be safe. Do something good. We leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.